All right, everyone, welcome to tonight's Watch, the brand new movie podcast, where myself, Mark, Luke, Tony, all go through different movies every week, and each person gets to pick a certain week. So this week, Luke gets to talk about Soul. Luke is my brother. Um, next week, Tony will pick one, which um, Tony is my friend, somewhat, and then I will pick. And Luke has a synopsis ready for us for Soul. That should be only one minute. You got that, Luke? Okay. <laughs> and, one minute. And then we are going to do ratings and then go into movie discussion. So, Luke, take it away with the synopsis. Let's go, Luke. Okay. Short and sweet. Joe Gardner is a middle school teacher who loves jazz. And he gets the dream gig of his life. And then he falls into a manhole. And into a coma and is on the verge of death and then he's about to go in the great beyond when he decides no he doesn't want to then he teams up with soul 22 who's an unborn soul and she, she wants to she doesn't want to find her purpose she doesn't want to find her spark to live on earth but then they team up with this guy named Moonwind, and then instead of joe going back into his body soul 22 goes into his body and he goes into a therapy cat's body and then throughout the course of the movie soul 22 finds inspiration that she wants to live and find her purpose and then uh yeah at the end joe plays the gig of his life is really good but doesn't really feel fulfilled like he did so he travels back to uh find soul 22 and they realize that a soul's spark is not a soul's purpose, but just a soul's uh, reason to live. Or it's that a soul is ready to live. So Soul 22 goes on Earth, and then Joe goes back to Earth and is ready to start living again. Was that a good synopsis? Or is that too short? No, that was very professional. Very, very good. perfect. Very yeah, perfect. Thank you. I'm actually thank pretty you. impressed. Thank All you. right, let's just start off with the opening whoa, of whoa, 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 the whoa, Disney whoa. Castle, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, whoa. ratings. Ratings. Tony. Ratings? Oh, <laughs> oh my Luke, goodness. Luke, give, give your rating. Dec decimal give your rating. points are like a rounding to a whole number. No, decimal points. Decimal. No, you decimal get decimal points. points. Yeah, we got to be super specific about this. Very specific. <laughs> I gave it an 8.7 out of 10. I like this movie a lot. Ooh, Ooh, that's very good close rating. to what I gave it. Tony, go ahead. Luke's not going to explain why he gave it an 8.7? Oh, God. I'm off. Luke, go. <laughs> I liked this movie a lot. It's not in the elite Disney Pixar movies. Uh, probably just because most of the characters aren't very memorable to me. Like, I'll remember Joe, and I'll remember Soul 22. That's about it. Like, I won't remember Moonwind or Terry the Accountant or any of the Jerry's. You don't but... have to hate on Moonwind, man. Okay, I don't hate on him. I just probably won't rem remember him, if that makes I sense. I can feel that. I can feel it. But um, I really liked it. I like, a lot. So that's why 8.7, I feel like, is a good rating. I like the message. Okay, Tony? I was gonna give this movie an 8.8, .8, but I'm feeling more Whoa. of a 9. Oh. And I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> I think it's a really good movie, but it lacks... That really strong emotional hit that other Disney Pixar movies give. And I would give mm. stronger Pixar movies 
like Toy Story 3, Incredibles. 10.0 out of, of 10. 9.5. <laughs> so I'll take half off because you don't get a strong, I want to cry during this movie part, which you get during other Pixar movies. The world, though, and all the characters are really fleshed out and nice. It's deserving of a 9. Okay, I'm, good. I, I went a little bit lower than both of you. So I gave this one an 8.4, and I'll tell you what. I thought it was a very, very good movie. Um, I Maybe it's just that I'm older. I don't think it has exactly, like Tony had said, the emotional impactfulness of other Disney Pixar movies that will that in maybe 10 years when I'm like talking about the great Disney Pixar movies, I think this one is a very, very good one, a very high standard for Pixar movies, but I don't think it hits the elite tier. And I think 8.5 would be like starting or 8.5 or above would be like the elite tier of Disney Pixar movies. And I think this is just underneath that. So that's why I gave it the 8.4. Um, it hits the emotional... I, I love the meaning of the movie and the ending of the movie. Um, I do think it has some issues that we'll get into later, but I think it is a very, very solid movie that um, I can rewatch. but it won't have that impactfulness of the Disney Pixar's I used to watch as a kid. See, I thought Onward's ending was very emotional, had me bawling, and I just watched it last week. But it is a worse movie than this one, but it does have that emotional edge that this movie does not. I think that's I a very am, good point. I would agree with that. I am a hater and have not seen Onward, oh. so I'm just going to say that I like this movie. But this show is about <laughs> souls, so let's kick it off, Luke. Uh, so we talked about the first scene. I like you your paper crinkling in the back, by the way. Nice notes. I have all of my notes laid out. Luke handwrites his notes, unlike Tony and I, who do it on a phone like normal people. I put in more effort. <laughs> That's fair. Um, Tony, you want to talk about the Disney Pixar castle? Is that correct? It's, it's just the Disney castle, Luke. But I oh. thought how they <laughs> did... I thought how they did the opening was really smart, because they did the Disney theme, but played by the horrible band students. So you get, like, this horrible like band music version of the disney theme but even then with the audio mixing and how they introduce it it just sounds good even though it's like not good sounding that was actually my first note as well is that i like that and especially with a company like disney that sometimes i'm looking at you star wars can be so far up its own ass that you know like it just loves itself and knows how good its movies are that I really enjoyed that it was like its own theme they were intentionally doing with the bad band music. And I thought that was a great way to like start the movie and get us into like the mindset of the teacher that has to listen to it where we're listening to it like, wow, that sounds like shit. What's about to Oh my god, here? it's like so bad, but it's <laughs> so good at the same time. I agree. <laughs> oh, that good, was good also input, my first input. note and uh you guys said everything. So all right, kick it off with the movie, Luke. So it starts off, and the kids are in band class, and they're playing really bad, except for Connie, and she has a really good trombone solo. I think it's funny. I think they like add a lot of character to these students that like you'll never see or hear again. Like one of them's like sucking up skittles with his trumpet, another's <laughs> just like in the back on his phone, and it like really brings you into this world and makes you feel like, yeah, this is pretty much what a middle school band class would be like. 
I'll be the man sucking up the Skittles. I like that it showed that how passionate he is with Connie. Like, she started playing well after you show all these dipshits in class not being able to do anything, which was super accurate. And it shows immediately that this character is someone that, like, really, really cares for this kind of music and is passionate about it. But he's in just a really shitty situation. So when the teacher actually comes out and says, oh, we want to offer you the full time, you understand why he doesn't want that and why that's a, like a bad thing for the character. And so I think it was a good way to show like exactly how he's feeling with only, you know, like a two minute scene, two, three minute scene. Yeah, let's see, like know his motivations on why he doesn't want to be stuck in this gig or this job. Jamie Foxx did good voice acting. Oh, Should wow. we talk about yeah, that yeah. now? Good, good input. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, what I was going to talk about was when he sits down at the piano and you really get introduced to the music that's going to be in this movie. And he, like, goes in the zones and starts playing and he's talking about his past. And that part was just amazing. Like, the music and how his hands move and how his fingers hit, like, all the right notes and how they actually correlate to what he's playing with. Because... In, like, a lot of animated movies, like, such complex movements like that looks kind of funky. But in this movie, they really nailed it. Yeah, the whole movie was amazing with the animation. And that comes back later with, like, walking down New York and animating every single person. The Great Beyond. Holy bananas. man, that gave me some interstellar vibes. Yes, it did. (laughs) It was gargantuan. I I like to call that scene the Great Escalator because they're not at the Great Beyond yet. Because that's, like, when you get zapped into the light, right? That's for later on the movie. We're not there yet. Man, that was, great that, was escalator. Pretty, that was pretty deep, Tony. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the animation was great. And Luke, back to your point about Jamie Foxx's voice acting, I think he should just be a voice actor. I mean, I don't have anything <laughs> You don't like him, him as Electro? Please. On, I only like him as Electro and then voice acting because I think he absolutely nails it. And it's surprising that this is his first time doing it because I, I don't know. I, if I didn't know who Jamie Foxx was, I would have thought it was a very, very talented voice actor only who they hired yeah he matches he matches the emotions and like the attitude of the the character really well and when you listen to him it's like you're listening to joe gardner and you're not listening to jamie fox and he just nails all of the emotions and all his ambitions in the movie really well through his voice I know that was kind of a problem you you might have a little bit with Tina Fey, but we'll get back into that. Later, I'll get so. back to Tina Fey, <laughs> which I have a complicated relationship with in this movie. Oh, I respect <laughs> it. Then he gets the call from Curly, yes? And then Curly says, you have an audition with Dorothea Williams. And Joe's very excited. Yeah, and, and this is like yeah. another voice acting part is Quest Love voice acts, voice acts for Curly. And it also doesn't sound like Questlove. This you know just what? sounds you know like what? a character. For I didn't even know it him. was Questlove. Yeah, it's him. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know And he's know just, that. it just like sounds not, like it sounds like him, but you wouldn't think of Questlove when you hear him. You just think of the character Curly. No, I just thought it was a good voice actor because I didn't even know he Me was in well. movie. So. <laughs> so he tells his mom and his mom does not approve because his mom just wants him to pay the bills by teaching anything to say there why don't you yeah your this thoughts, this luke? part gets fleshed out later on but we'd like yeah, to hear your thoughts luke my thoughts will come later on because <laughs> at the start i'm just like okay i understand 
Yeah, you kind of get I both want him sides. To like, you, you yeah. totally understand why <laughs> Joe doesn't want to do it, but as, like, a mother who wants to look out for her child financially. A mother of a middle-aged man, by the way. Yeah, a middle-aged man who's <laughs> struggling financially in New York. She's just like, take any job you can get. You know, he's not in his 20s anymore where he could just, like, pursue his dreams. So to her, it just seems like, you know, like, his time has passed. He needs to just take this job. And so, like, I understand, even though they portray her as, like, this kind of partly of the villain of the movie, other than uh, Terry later, but... uh kind of like this villain but you understand where she's coming from which i always like in like a villain in a movie like you understand where the motivation is coming from you just disagree with her yeah she's more of the practical side of his life and then you understand why later and then it's very good but that comes later yeah so then let's get to the part where he takes a cab he goes down into this jazz club and there he sees dorothea williams playing the saxophone i thought this scene was really nice because you see him rush down the stairs and then here's dorothea williams on screen by herself and here she's playing this beautiful jazz music with her saxophone and they zoom in and you see her fingers move and you see engravings on the saxophone and you see the light reflect off of it and i thought this part was like another beautiful shot with dick pixar <laughs> just flexing their animation muscles Oh yeah, they they just want to show off what what they can do. It, it's kind. Of, it's I wild. totally get that vibe where it's it. I love the animation and it's also just kind of like, look at us. No one else can do what we can do, you know. And it it, it works effectively though, so I'm totally cool with it. Yeah, I mean, even like looking at Joe, you could like see his felt hat, like you could see the fabric on it, and you could see like his wool sweater or like the single hairs in his mustache and how like some of them are gray. It looks really great. How do you even animate? That's my question. <laughs> How do you even animate? That's the question of the day. How do you well, even animate? Well, <laughs> apparently, animated movies cost a lot of money. <laughs> so when you like take into consideration that like Disney is helping Pixar like fund this movie, it's like okay, well that like that's how you get this quality of animation. Well, that's partly why too. It's always Disney Pixar. It's like they they need Disney's money that they steal from everyone and i'm sorry I, i'm kind of hating on disney a little bit i love disneyland i just you know the greedy ceos i'm not super cool with sometimes but uh you take any kind of animated movie from a uh, smaller company an indie company where they like make an animated film and usually it's like cartoon but if they do this kind of 3d animation like disney pixar does it just doesn't turn out that good D yeah because it just costs so, so much money yeah have, so much money tony have you seen hoodwinked I have not. Okay, Luke, you know is that a is that about a rabbit? Is it about a, a rabbit? It's about, it's about Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, there's never a wolf mind. in it. Oh wait, I think I do know <laughs> what you're talking about. I think I do know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's a smaller company making an animated movie, 3D animated movie, and, and you I tell. like the movie, and I think it's <laughs> actually a pretty solid movie. But it was is that like the shit. one? Is that the one where their grandma turns out to be like a badass or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, and She's like yeah, snowboarding. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But the animation's pretty horrible. It, it, good movie, but. They definitely all the money that Disney has goes a lot into animating their movies, and it definitely shows. Yeah, I think Disney as a company isn't the best. Like, it's not morally correct or right, but the products that they put out are just fantastic. I mean, if you look at, like, all the stuff they put out, it's just amazing. 
it's kind of like Amazon. You kind of just hate Jeff Bezos. Everyone you does, hate Jeff you Bezos. Just, you just keep using it because what they offer you is just so. But much you better. gotta use it for That's that. How they get you? Two days shipping. <laughs> I also think, um, in regards to Disney and Pixar, you have to kind of forget the company sometimes because it's not always the director. You know, you got to give them credit, even though Disney's funding this. You yeah, give there's the so many credit the writing credit it's like so many people on the back end that have nothing to do with disney and maybe don't stand for their morals you know so many different connections in just like making the movie that it's like hard to like say oh this is like bad because of this or this is bad because of this because there's so many people working on it exactly and uh real quick about the director now that you know i segued perfectly into that um (laughs) apparently he got hired as the he got promoted to the chief creative officer of like all of Disney Pixar really while they were making this movie. And he decided to finish the movie while he was still doing that job, which I thought was pretty cool because he was an in inside out and they fired uh, John Laster from that position. Cause he was doing, yep. he was a bad person. And, oh, but he made cars. <laughs> he, he made cars, but he was, <laughs> he a, made cars. He was a bad, bad person. And he got a bad, bad man. And not just from making cars. Was he a bad man? <laughs> so, but I think it's super cool that he did inside out and they saw his range and he started making this movie and he still finished it in that uh, job. I looked that up probably two minutes before we started recording. I thought that was kind of cool. I also heard an interesting thing about, uh, Pete Doctor, right? The director of this movie is when he was making Inside Out, he was basing it off of his daughter who was growing up and changing and he felt like she was changing, so he made this movie about it. And then he decided to make Soul because he felt like his son had a personality that just came out of nowhere. It wasn't like him, it wasn't like his wife. And so then that's kind of where like this aspect of the U seminar, which we'll get into, like comes from. And as far as we know, Pete Doctor is not a bad man like John Laster. As far so. as we know, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Hopefully not. All right, continue with the movie, Luke. So he auditions with Dorothea, and then he gets lost in playing the piano because that's his passion, and like everything around him fades, which we already talked about the animation in depth. But anyway, it was very good. <laughs> and then um, he gets the part with Dorothea. Which leads to, like, a kind of a funny part, right? He, like, runs out of the jazz club, and he's talking to a random man on the street. And he says, you see that sign? That sign's going to say Joe Gardner. And on the sign, it says the Dorothea Williams Quartet. So it wouldn't have said his name anyways. Oh. See, I didn't catch that. (laughs) Yeah, Tony, you're paying uh, way too much attention to these movies that were (laughs) I take this podcast seriously. I did not. I did not, however. Okay. (laughs) Um, okay, I will talk about, so, he falls into the manhole, right, because he's distracted, um, because he just got the part that he's ignoring everything else, so he, like, passes by, what was it, people were gonna, like, build something, and something almost dropped on his head, but he didn't notice, um, and then he didn't notice all of these things, like, walking through traffic, and then he fell into the manhole, Though there was also this one where, like, a convenience store is next to a hardware store. And, like, in front of the convenience store, there's, like, a bunch of banana peels. And then right yeah. next to the banana peels are, like, nails falling on the ground. Yeah. Which, it works because, as uh, you see later in the movie, he was so, like, obsessed with jazz that he didn't realize the things in life around him. 
and that's the reason why you died. That's a really good connection, actually. Whoa, Luke. That's a really Whoa. good connection. Super deep. I like it. That was Thank good. Thank you. Thank you. You should be. You should. You should go to film school for two years, like I did. I'm taking. I feel a film like class this scene. Right now. Okay. I feel ahead. like this scene is like in a lot of like other shows or movies, like oh, people almost dying and then they like live or stuff. But like, I think they kind of had to do this scene because you can't really show him die in a kids movie. Correct. So you have to like implement this scene to let people know. Oh yeah, he's he's dead. <laughs> I didn't watch the trailer for this movie. And I just knew a Disney Pixar movie came out on Disney Plus, and it just had little blue creatures, and was by the director of Inside Out. <laughs> so I didn't know he was gonna die like that. So I was kind of like, the movie's I was kind called of Soul, but I mean, it is called Soul. But, <laughs> that's also double meaning. That like, that's true. It's like the soul of the music, and also so like it, it's the double meaning. And I knew music had something to do with it, so I thought it was just like soul, like that, or like you know someone's soul. But I didn't realize it was going to start with him human, and then show him die. So seeing that, like, I was very surprised. Like, I was just like, oh, oh, he's dead because immediately it goes to the next scene with um, the souls and oh. him going on the what great escalator is that what you called it? I said it the great escalator. escalator. I, I called that. it the great yeah, I escalator. Um, so it was just so so surprising to me that like I was like, oh, I didn't expect that, especially in a kids movie, for him just to fall down the manhole and then them tell the audience that he's dead. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I get that. <laughs> so we talked about the Great Escalator, and uh, very Interstellar esque. And then isn't when he falls off? That's when the credits come up when it says like Disney Pixar presents like. He hadn't landed on the escalator minutes. yet. He hadn't landed on it yet. He, like, fell in the manhole, credits. and then it cut to the soul falling. Got it. Okay. Well, anyway, I was going to say that I liked the credits didn't come in until after. Yeah, I think they implemented that, that part really well. Yeah. I don't know. That's, like, a little thing that I, I like. I like when it's done effectively where you kind of forget that a title sequence is even supposed to happen and then it happens because that's where it hits. So it's not like in the very beginning and then you just think that the movie won't even have one. And then it does it and you're like, oh, this is where the movie begins. You know, it was all like exposition before this and setting up before this. Yeah. I like it when it's like the title sequence comes on. You're like, oh, there's the title sequence. But then it just goes away just as smoothly. So it doesn't really interrupt anything. Yeah. Okay. What I have a question about is yes. he's on the great escalator and he's freaking out about dying, right? And yes. so he jumps he jumps off and he's like gets stuck in his fourth field and then he falls all the way down. But he can't be the only person to ever that do this, right? That is exactly right? what I wrote in my notes. That is exactly <laughs> one of the cons I wrote in my notes. I was like, how were they surprised? How was like Terry surprised later that this happened? Like someone else has had to have tried it. Yeah. yeah, he can't be the you're, only one falling right. down into the U-Seminar. He can't be the only one falling into a manhole. That's true. That that was such a good part. <laughs> <laughs> this this next scene has... I have a nitpick with this next scene that interrupts a really good joke that they make later on. So, as Joe gets found by the Jerry's and gets brought in to be a counselor for one of these souls to help them find their spark... The joke is that uh, one of the Jerry's calls up a counselor and he's like, hey, this is going to be your soul, soul number 108 billion so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And then they call up Joe to be the counselor of soul number 22. So you're like, oh my goodness, soul number 22 has been here for so long. 
if we're on number 108 billion. But in this next scene where he falls into the U-Seminar for the first time and gets surrounded by a bunch of souls, a Jerry comes up and says, 37, that's enough, as he's messing with Joe. So there's a soul number 37 in there. So it, this, Well. Oh, you're right. <laughs> so the Joe, it, it's like almost like there's someone just like 22. And the, it kind of almost defeats the pur- – not defeats the purpose because 22 found it, but – it makes it way less significant, I think. Now that you say that, I didn't even realize it. It like undercuts it undercuts the like joke of her being soul number twenty two. I think if they added that it's like an abbreviation, like thirty seven billion, that's enough. You know what I'm saying? Then it you kind of like is. get the joke. It probably is right, but just like hearing just soul number thirty seven is like thirty seven. That's enough. You're like, oh, so there's like someone that's like twenty two, but like fifteen souls worse. It could also be like thirty seven in that group of kids or something crazy like that because i mean all the ones who were there were probably if it was 37 would be so many of them for 37 billion or whatever you know and yeah that's true so it it is kind of weird and maybe it's an abbreviation or maybe it's just another joke but then you know another soul is like that so 22 significance is a little bit diminished so this is the scene where you're introduced to these souls these blue bobs and uh a Jerry. What did you guys think about their design? I liked it because it was different. <laughs> yeah, I haven't was, seen anything like that before yeah. in an anime movie, so I, I definitely liked the design. I really liked the design of the Jerry's. How they're like this 2D, 3D kind of character, and it like allows them to do so many different things. And especially in a scene later on the movie, you'll see terry go into the real world and how they implement that is really really nice and here in this next scene we get introduced to how souls get their personalities you see jerry say hey you five you guys are going to be excitable and you 12 you 12 could be aloof and you see them go into this pavilion come out the other side with that personality trait what did you guys think about this I liked it. <laughs> I, I was waiting for Luke to go. say. I was waiting for Luke to say he liked it because he doesn't really give much input other than that. There's a joke later on where they're like, "You uh, souls will be um, self-absorbed," and then like a bunch of them go f- through the pavilion, and then uh, a Jerry says, "Why do we send so many of them through that?" Which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, I think he says something along <laughs> the lines like, "We need to stop sending so many people through that pavilion." Yes, that was that was my favorite joke in the movie. I think I laughed out loud pretty hard. I liked. The I think there's joke. an upcoming joke. <laughs> I think this upcoming joke that we'll get to is like one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, but I also liked the, like the personality thing, just because the way they implemented it with comedy and. It was just a unique way of doing it. Like, there's a reason that people act a certain way. And, you know, there's a whole argument in real life that it's a, well, it's a lot based on the parenting of the people. But I like that this was just like, it's just made this, they're just made this way. And I like that. It's something different, a different thought on that whole concept. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I like this next scene where uh, T- Terry comes up to the Jerry's and says, hey, the count's off. And, you know, we need to fix it. And all these Jerry's kind of, like, don't care at all. And these Jerry's are, like, the advisors or the counselors of the U-Seminar. And they're supposed to be, like, an amalgamation of, like, the entire universe or something like that. They're, like, some crazy life force. And uh, I just find it so funny that they're, like, all right, you could go fix that. Like, we don't really care. 
yeah, it's like Terry took it way too seriously. Also, I like that word you used. What was that? Uh, al- Analgamous? Analgamous. Oh, no. Yeah, that was a good word. Amalgamation? <laughs> yeah. Amalgamation? A- amalgamation. Yeah, that's an A plus word. Amalgamation. Uh, yeah, you win. Uh, that's fair. How do you impressive. spell it? <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely liked that. Thing. Oh, it is a real word. It is a real word. A m a l g a m a t i o n. It is a real world, and I don't want to hear about it. What is the country of origin? <laughs> uh, country of origin. Oxford languages. Feedback: similar combination, union, merger, blend, mixture, mingling. I'm thoroughly oh, now impressed I understand. that you know. Yeah, Thank I'm you. thoroughly I'm impressed. just kidding. The, Off the origin, top of your head. <laughs> origin is medieval Latin. Ooh, oh, of course. You know Latin. I know a little bit of Latin. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Back to the point. I really like that the, <laughs> that the Jerry's didn't care, but Terry seems like his whole purpose. It's like it's almost like his whole sole purpose is to get the count on and figure that out. You know, and these Jerry's are just like, it doesn't really matter that much. His hole or her hole? Because Terry Neither. is voiced by is... Rachel House. But, but... And the voice that she does is so good in fitting between, a like, not a him or a her. Yeah. I think her voice acting for Terry was amazing in that sense. Definitely Terry is a all-knowing creature. Not, not stopped by genders. You know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. either one, but you're right. It was, like, perfectly in between. Like the voice definitely fit the character perfectly. For sure, you're like, is that a is that a man's voice? Is that a woman's voice? Well, I and mean, it's... I had just said him, and then you immediately were like, or her, because like I wasn't sure. It's just Terry. Yeah, and it's really neither, and it works really well for that character. Oh, for sure. Is this where we should talk about the zone where? like the lost souls are also where um people go when they get lost in their passion because that's i wanted to talk about the like the presentation to the counselors because you get like these souls he's like shows these souls and they're like oh this soul has this personality or like this soul's like i have this personality blah 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 and i have this personality and blah 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 and my favorite joke is when uh one of the souls says, I'm a manipulative megalomaniac who is intensely oh. opportunistic. And then he says, oh, she sounds like she's going to be a handful, but that's Earth's problem. Yeah, yeah, that that one that one's probably second best. I'll give it that. It was that pretty one was good. good. Uh, See, I like this that is one. where this is where I get into the movie where I feel like this movie is almost a movie for adults that can be enjoyed I, by I, children yep, compared to, to other <laughs> Disney Pixar movies, which are movies for children that can be enjoyed by adults i mean they make a joke about a hedge fund manager (laughs) later on yeah and there's like a really lot of like deep complex themes in this movie that like might go over like a little kid's head yeah i think little kids it'll appeal to with like the animation and stuff and maybe like the music but it like i said earlier in my rating was that like uh we grew up with disney pixar and you know, now I'm older, and this movie kind of fit my demographic perfectly, I feel like. And so it, it is nice to have, like, one... Because I'll I'll always enjoy the Disney Pixar, but I really like that it was, like, definitely aimed towards the older generation. Older as in the people who used to experience the younger ones. Yeah. It definitely felt like a movie for people who have grown up on Pixar and are adults now. 
compared to like just a movie for kids that can also be enjoyed by adults. Yeah, I also had uh, I wanted to talk about the the was it the U seminar where they were yeah. like yeah yeah that we were talking about. I thought that was a really good way to give some exposition to the movie because Jerry had already explained some to Joe and if she's explaining the entire plot it gets like where you realize it's exposition but it kind of feels like she explains why he's there and what it is in a way that doesn't feel like it's pushed at you and then you watch like you learn with Joe like he he is the audience at that point where you're just watching this thing that tells you straight up what's going to happen, like what's happening. And I thought it was a unique way to split up the exposition of explaining things because it's a lot to throw at you. Oh, I agree. I think it's a great way to like get you into this world and tell you what it is without saying like, Hey, this is what this is. And this is why this is this. By the way, soul 22's uh, storyline and character hit close to home because she doesn't know <laughs> what to do in life and we've had the conversation before where i don't know what to do <laughs> so i i thought i liked that they included that with soul 22 because then that's when you meet her at the youth seminar and she just doesn't have a passion <laughs> and i would be I, I lying i'd be lying if i said it didn't remind me of you a little bit but yeah. you have passions, it's just not a career passion. So I wouldn't go that yeah, far. Like, true. you just don't have the career passion. And maybe. the U Seminar, so the great before is, the like, entirety of the great before is the U Seminar. And this is just, like, a presentation that's going on there. Yeah. To clarify. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, something that doesn't really get explained, and I wonder, there's a different scene later on in the movie, but something that isn't explained is what happened to Dr. Borgensen when Joe takes his <laughs> name tag and pretends to be him. Is he sent to the great beyond? He's the one man who went to hell, apparently. <laughs> he yeah. went down the great escalator. Because we um, see we see <laughs> Joe go into a cat later on, right? And then the cat is on the great escalator. Like, the soul of the cat is on the great escalator going up, right? So what happened to Dr. Borgensen? Luke, Poor that, Dr. Borgensen. that kind of reminded me of Amazing Spider-Man. Do you remember when he stole the name tag and then yeah. the guy got dragged <laughs> out because it looked like he was intruding? And you're like, wow, Spider-Man's kind of a dick. That's like, supposed to be our he's hero. He's not a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even think about that, Tony. It's like kind I of like not. a throwaway. Like he just took someone's name tag. But they, I think they didn't explore because they didn't want to talk about kind of how fucked up the situation was. Yeah, that kind of adds or like leads me into the fact that what did you guys think about Joe through this and movie because i find him like selfish greedy impatient but we understand where he's coming from right we understand what he wants to do and why he's doing it and it kind of makes him a more relatable character that you don't dislike as much for all like the bad decisions he makes i agree in this movie i like there wasn't a true villain like a true antagonist like it'd be joe in some scenes because he was ignoring what 22 wanted and then and then i guess you could say terry because he's trying to catch them but he isn't or terry isn't bad like i i liked that yeah terry's just doing his job in the mom sometimes yeah you're right it's like it flips and i like that i like that um you're right tony he he does come off like kind of douchey sometimes but you know from the beginning of the movie because they set it up so well how much how much built up frustration he has, so you understand why he's so upset. 
Yeah, and when you compare him to 22, right, you don't know why or you like you don't really understand why 22 wouldn't want to be alive because here we are like as alive human beings and we're like oh there's a lot of good things to living that you just have to enjoy solo like just live right but on joe's side we can see why oh he's dead but he needs to he needs to get that big gig he needs to finish his big gig like his life hasn't amounted to much until this point and so we understand joe and don't understand 22 but we can see joe's actions and how he like goes about the entire movie and you're like ah, i don't look like that but then you see what 22 does when she gets in joe's body and you're like wow she's really living life well yeah and it definitely teaches him at the end what why he's living life in well kind of living life wrong because of 22's uh, innocence and what she learns which i thought was made done amazing like perfectly well was showing his built-up frustration that he's too focused on one thing but before we get all into that uh since you mentioned 22 let's hear your thoughts on tina fey tony here we go so i think tina fey's voice acting is really good when she's voicing joe but i don't like it when she's the blue soul in the great before i don't think it like changes. something so here's here here's why here's why in the great before, it's just a blue soul, right? So you really focus on, like, there's no character to really focus on. It's just this blue bob. And you're like, oh, this is really just Tina Fey. You're like, oh, yeah, I can hear it's Tina Fey. Where that doesn't happen with any other character in the movie. But when she's in Joe's body, you kind of get distracted with everything is going on. And her voice just really adds well to 22 being in his body. So you think it was perfectly cast for the second half of the movie, but you didn't like it when she's the soul. Yeah, because I think Jamie Foxx in this movie doesn't sound like Jamie Foxx. Questlove in this movie doesn't sound like Questlove. And when you don't have the distraction of attaching the voice to a character, and it's just the voice because it's just a blue blob, it like really pierces through as Tina Fey. So I'm going to counter that by saying I don't watch a lot of Tina Fey stuff. I, I I think I've seen Sisters and Mean Girls, and I can't remember anything else that I've seen her in. And I think that helped me not care so much because I, I didn't even know Tina Fey was in this movie. Like I said, I didn't watch the trailer. I didn't know anything about it. I just kind of turned it on. And so it didn't bug me at all because I don't attach that to Tina Fey, like the voice to Tina Fey, because I don't know her well. But for people who do know her well and know her work, then you might feel like Tony, where it's just like too much like Tina Fey until you see her, see the voice in Joe's body. Yeah, see, that's understandable. I also, I also didn't watch the trailer or anything. I also didn't know she was in the movie. I actually didn't know anybody's voice acting in this movie. So when, like... I heard her. It was the first recognizable voice that I could hear the entire movie. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's Tina Fey. We're like, if you watch this movie and don't look at the actors who were in it and then look at the casting page later on, you'll be like, oh, wow, that person was in this movie. That person was in the movie. And then you can scroll down, you scroll down, and then you get to Tina Fey's voice. And you're like, oh, yeah, she was in this movie. Why do you know Tina Fey's work so much? What do you watch? <laughs> I think Tina Fey just has a really distinct voice, which can help and hurt the voice acting like voice acting in general right yeah i also kind of like that she threw shade at her own voice by saying she picked it because it was so annoying i think another thing with having uh her just introduced as a blue blob and this is her character is it's kind of hard 
to like characterize her voice with that character right because when you hear tom hanks as woody and who is it bill allen uh, as tim w- allen tim allen who's bill allen <laughs> <laughs> tim allen well his nickname could also still be bill but tim allen as a uh, buzz lightyear like they're like fleshed out characters in their models and how they look and like you can hear tom hanks and you can hear tim allen but their voice really fits those characters well because of how they look and how they act and stuff but for tina fey it's just a blue blob so she doesn't have much to work with to like distinguish her voice from herself yeah okay i i think you're right like i think that's a good point and i think when she gets into joe's body later it's it works perfectly because she didn't know how to walk and yeah, it's kind of still Joe's well. body. It's still Joe's body, but how, like, what 22 does with it is really her, right? And I think that's where her voice works really well, and the things she says and how she acts in Joe's body works really well with Tina Fey's voice. It's when she's a blue blob where her just character design lacks characterization, so it's hard to separate the character, or it's easy to separate the character and the voice actor. I think you should have gone to film school instead of me. That was impressive. <laughs> so the next part was when they went, uh, what was it, Luke, with the, with the, uh, wind, the is this when they met the the wind guy? I forgot his name. Moonwind? Yeah, Moonwind. You forgot about Moonwind. Yeah, I told they you go... to stop hating on him, and I forgot his name, <laughs> Moonwind. <laughs> they go to a, 22 leads him to a secret place where it's the, like a zone where the physical meets the spiritual and you see a bunch of like floating souls in the zone and they're like quote unquote in the zone and that's when they're like really into what they're doing right so you see an actor and she throws like a sandball at it and then in real life she like snaps out of her performance and she's like la did he get so loud he cut out and I, this is where another good joke comes from she throws a sandball at a basketball yeah. player who's about to make a <laughs> dunk huh you you were you this went uh, so loud that it cut out, and then I said, "Did he cut out in the middle of it?" <laughs> Continue with your oh, story. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you were in the zone. She throws a sandball at a basketball player, and he comes out of the zone and he misses a dunk, and it's like, "Oh!" And the Knicks lose again, and she says a line. She's like, "I've been messing with this team for years." That's hilarious if you know the woes of the New York Knicks. Oh, I'm Many sure it woes. was funny for people who actually <laughs> understood that, unlike me. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty <laughs> funny if you know basketball a little bit especially and it adds like this depth of layer into like the whole new yorkness of this movie oh yeah yeah that that actually perfectly oh wow perfectly goes into my next point that it with um wind boy what's his name <laughs> again <laughs> moon wind moon, moon wind. wind okay moon wind. <laughs> with uh moon wind one flaw i kind of had with the movie was that it's pretty it's a pretty big coincidence that Joe already knows who he is and knows on the street corner he's in. Like he lives in uh, New York. Well, he doesn't well he doesn't know who he is, but well, he, he knows says, the street corner he lives in. Well, no, he says, "Oh yeah, I'm like working right now." And then he's like, "Oh, it, are, do you work on that street corner because he recognized him and recognized his voice." So he knew who he was. No, no, he said he said uh the street corner first, and then he's and then Joe says, "Oh, off of like right next to Tony Tony Tonios." Okay, okay, so it's not as big of a coincidence, but I still think it's kind of a coincidence that this guy who's so spiritually invested and in this realm is still, like, close to Joe. 
that that he can get to him. He's quick like enough. close in proximity. Yeah. yeah, that he can get to him quick enough in the movie and still like do the plot. Like that's that's pretty coincidental. You know, like, I was gonna say because like just the street corner in New York, the streets are all like numbered. So it's like 14th and 27, and you're on 10 and 25. You go up four, and you go right two, or something like that. Right. So it's like really it's easy close. to understand. But it's like, yeah, it's for sure very convenient. What did you think of Moonwind as a character? I mean, Wind Boy. I, I thought he was good. I, I liked him. But as you guys mentioned earlier, that he's not someone that's... Think about a side character like Toy Story 2. And Toy Story 2 is my least favorite, like Wheezy. Like, you remember him, and I yeah. barely watched Toy Story 2, because I didn't like him when I was younger for some reason, but I Me barely either, watched huh? that, and I know who that is, and I know who the little farmer guy is. Uh, well, uh, okay, I don't know his name, but <laughs> <laughs> I know, I remember that character. I feel like when I think of this movie, I'm never going to think of him, but I think he served the plot well and helped them well, you know? I think he worked. Yeah, I think all the characters in this movie really, like, add to the movie and really make it great, but, like, compared to, like, toy story it's like there's woody there's buzz lightyear there's t-rex there's mr potato head there's mrs potato head there's just like so many Don't characters slinky. there's slinky Never there's bo peep <laughs> there's like so many characters that like go into the movie and that you like really get attached to compared to like this movie they all like serve their purpose but they're not gonna like you're not gonna get a doll of curly or something yeah i definitely agree with that yeah um I think the next part was when they, he actually goes into his body. Or, I'm sorry, 22 goes yeah. into his body and goes into the cat. Yeah, Moonwind helps them in that zone. Well, what, do you want to talk about the Lost Souls? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That comes That's back important. later, too. Yeah, yeah. That, that Lost Souls, so the Lost Souls are these people who get, like, super obsessed with whatever they're doing in the zone. And they become too obsessed to the point where they're not living. And I really like this, like personification of it because like things like that can happen right like you're really into music but you become so obsessive that it like ruins other aspects of your life and then, then you become like a lost soul right yeah i, I like that and it, uh, that it was a lot of people who got like too invested into it but i also like that they went to the office guy who wasn't really too invested in anything and it was you know it was just more uh talking about depression and like being stuck there in your head even if you're not focused on one thing, you know? And so I like that it showed that it could be either way, but it's like kind of talking about mental health and where you can be. And then, you know, he, he they give his soul back and he just like becomes alive and is like, I don't want this. And I really like that. It, it shows people who not only get too invested in something, but aren't invested enough. Yeah. Uh, you like hear this lost soul, which is like a soul covered in sand and honestly, it looks kind of creepy to be in a kid's movie. It I was does. surprised <laughs> that they would, like, go there. But again, I think this movie is for, like, more for adults that children can enjoy. And you hear, like, make a trade, make a trade. And you're like, what? What is he even talking about? He's, like, wants to trade Pokemon cards or something? And it's like, make a trade, make a trade. And then they save his soul. And then it turns out he's a hedge fund manager. And then you're like, oh, he meant, like, make a trade on the stock market. And, like, he gets so absorbed in his job that he, like, loses meaning in his life because like in all his life it's only about making a trade making money for other people and stuff like that yeah i think this movie has a lot of deep conversations which also goes into the point about it being for older people i think the messages are a lot older than a lot of disney pixar that whole realm itself is like 
only for adults to understand. For kids, it's just the scary monsters. But, like, for adults, it hits, like, home, you know? Everyone understands what it's doing and where it's coming from. And then it's, like, it makes the movie more real. And, like, oh, this movie's not messing around. It's not going around, like, the topics. Like, it's explaining it, not right to your face. But you know what's going on, you know? Or I guess it does kind of where they're talking about people get too invested. But I, I think they did it really well. Pixar I agree. is doing a lot of movies about death. They did Coco and then Onward and now Soul. So they're getting like really deep themes. Yeah, and I think it's mental something health that in, uh, Inside Out too. Same thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's something that everyone can relate to because everyone lives and everyone dies, right? So it kind of like helps us get in tune with those feelings. Yeah. yeah, I think that helps us relate to the movie a lot more. And that, of course, comes back later where 22 gets stuck in there. And she, I like that she can only get stuck in there after she's lived and then can't anymore. So it's like then she becomes that very thing because she's experienced life, which I like. But that, of course, that comes back later. Yeah, I have something to say. I need a pee break. Okay, (laughs) uh, you go ahead and take a pee break and then we will be right back. And I'm back. Was that a good pee break? <laughs> the most satisfying pee break. Okay. I like the entrance. Yeah, that was very, that was elegant, actually. And that kind of was a perfect pee break because it goes right into the second half of the movie where 22 is in Joe's body and Joe is in the cat. What do you guys think about that? I s- I'm going to keep on saying it because I like it. That Soul 22 went into Joe's body that's the point of the movie is that she needed to live life to see that she wanted to go down on earth not because she found a purpose but just because she wanted to live um him going into the therapy cat i was like okay (laughs) what did you guys think about that because there's some controversy about that subject for those of you that don't know the controversy it's taking colored characters in animated movies and putting them into animals and dehumanizing so that they get less screen time. And oh, I think for this movie, it doesn't apply as much just because of how diverse the characters in the movie are. And they're not Joe going into the cat doesn't take away any screen time from him actually being there. I think it'd be a lot worse if he was the only African-American character. And then that happened it's not just Joe and he's not just, you know, this token black character that they, they're like dehumanizing it. I think it did well because he was, he didn't have control. And the reason they put him in animal wasn't for any bad reason. It was just to, uh, let him not have control and see what 22 is going to do in his body and not be able to be a human to interact with that. So I, I think it did it well. And I don't think it had, I don't think it was trying to be, I don't think it had, any ill intent i mean pete doctor said himself that he wasn't like aware of this trope as he was doing this i didn't i wasn't either actually you just informed me and we see we see uh (laughs) joe gardner's body the entire time so i read an article and they mentioned emperor's new groove putting this native incan in a llama but i kind of like throw that one away because they're all native incans in the movie like there's no no other race it's all native incans another one was uh princess and the frog right your first black princess and she gets turned into frog for most of the movie and you actually don't see her in her human body for much of the movie and that one i can see right 
because it happens to be like the main princess and the main male lead and they're just frogs for most of the movie another one was spies in disguise and i'm not watching now bullshit so i don't know how that does (laughs) i think i heard about that movie once when it came out and didn't ever think about it again will smith will smith gets turned into a pigeon and that's all i know and i did not want to watch that movie anyways oh yeah me neither (laughs) i actually i didn't know about that trope and i didn't think this movie had any ill intent at all and i think the there's some controversy, but I think the overall audience reception of this movie is very good. So I don't think yeah. I think most people didn't take it that way and know that there isn't any intent behind that. I think people would just want to categorize it in that trope just to have another example. But I really think this movie doesn't fit into it at all. Hey, they I might have so. just been mentioning it too, so then everyone's aware of it because we weren't, and now now I am, and I'll look. That's for true. It. Same That's with true. me. I like this scene where 22 is in Joe's body, and she's flopping around. She doesn't know how to walk yet. And uh, Joe's this cat, and they're walking down the hallway, and they have to hide from the doctor, and you see them run into another patient's room, and they're, like, laying on the bed, right? And you're like, oh, it's just an empty room. They get up later, and this guy pops up. And he's like, what? What were these guys doing? Yeah, I like that scene. Can I, I'm going to bring it back real quick to something before that, um, if that's okay. Uh, and then we can go back to that. Uh, I was just going to say that the begin- the fact that they changed the movie halfway, like, the way they did, was a little bit jarring to me. I-, I wish we either had a little bit more time. I think the amount of time that they were souls and the amount of time that they were in real life was a little bit weird. Like, they either should have done more as them being souls and, like... Or less. I I don't know how to explain it, but it almost feels like two different movies put together. And they could have had a little bit more runtime to do it. I, I don't know. What did you guys think about that? I find that the pacing is fine for me, but I can see where you're coming from. And I think how you would fix it would be like equal time human and then equal time soul before you jump back into human. Because Joe's like a human for like, what, maybe 15 minutes before he dies? Yeah. Maybe like 10. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not even. It's like 10, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the. I think what makes me think about it is the jumping back and forth. He's human, and then they're souls, and then they're human again. And the movie's called Soul, and the poster has them as the blue people. And I'm fine with it not being the blue souls, like the entire movie. It's better that it's not. And the movie is its best during this part, like with the comedy like Tony was talking about the the whole the comedy's the best at this part and I think the movie hits its stride right here but I think it, it's just a little bit jarring going back and forth the way it did maybe it could benefit from like 15 to 20 more minutes but you know that that could ruin the pacing more so I don't know I just, I felt like it was done a little bit weird but I understand why they did it that way I think it depends on which movie poster you're looking at though right cuz there's one where That's it's true. just Joe and he's holding the cat Joe I think the one that I saw was just the two blue souls. It was 22 and Joe's soul. I think that's the one I saw before I watched this. And then I think it's the Disney Plus like thumbnail. At least it was. And then I was like, this is very strange going back and forth. But I, I think it's the best. Like Tony was mentioning, that part I thought was pretty funny. And I think the entire part of 22 being in Joe's body is like the best comedy in it where she's experiencing life and not knowing how to walk and not knowing what pizza is. And I think everything works because of this part of the movie. Yeah, I think so too. I think so getting into the pizza part, right in the you seminar, you can't 
like taste anything and you can't touch anything, right? Because you yeah. don't have a physical body to do it. And that's kind of where like one of the gag jokes for kids comes out, where she like she eats the pizza and she poops it out, and it's just like a regular slice of pizza. And I think this gets into a future part of the movie where she's in Joe's body and she's listening to a guy sing in the subway. And uh, she's yeah. like, wow, I've never listened to music like this before, right? And I think it's because she has body a body with the ears to listen now. And in the You Seminar, when you listen to music, you're just like feeling the music. But now that she has a body, she can actually listen to it and she enjoys it. Because in the you seminar, pizza. in this you yeah. seminar, she said that she like didn't really like music sounds. You're oh. right. See, Tony, my film professors would have loved you. You know, <laughs> I was having trouble in that class. I should just ask you for help because you're making a lot of good points and why certain things happen in the movie. And I think you're right. And I, I love that it goes into the whole theme of her. She doesn't have a purpose. Like she didn't have one passion. She just loves to live life you know like all her reason for living is because she loves it you know and I, I love that that it's not one specific thing to fixate on yeah it's all like the little aspects of life that just come with having a body that that joe would usually not care about and that goes back into the subway part where that joe would probably just pass that guy on the street like i don't think joe's a horrible guy he might throw a couple of change in but he wouldn't blink an eye and now he is going to focus on that and like you know stuff that you don't notice because you're just accustomed to life and she just loves the shit out of it like i love that and i love those parts yeah i agree going back a little bit about joe's character right and his ambitions in this and his goals in this movie it's like actually his selfishness and him is his like impatience that makes him be the cat because he's not ready. Like, Moonwind's doing the ritual, and it's not ready yet. And he's like, I'm going in. And he jumps in, pushes 22 in. And, like, that kind of attitude that he has, like, the wrong attitude, is the reason he's, like, stuck in this problem in the first place. It's the reason why he died. Because he wasn't paying attention to anything else. And then he was yeah, just exactly. focused 22, on the jazz. 22 would have never done that. Because she's focused on everything and loving everything. That's a good point, that... He would never fall into a manhole again by the end of the movie because he learned his <laughs> lesson and he's actually paying attention to the little things, you know, and not focused on the jazz. Which brings us to the next part when Connie comes in to tell him that she's not going to play jazz anymore and Joe <laughs> couldn't care less. <laughs> he's so, like, yeah, oh, so that yeah. ties into the whole like like another character flaw Joe has like where he's just so fixated on himself is like Connie, his band student comes in and says, I want to quit trombone. And he does not care at all. <laughs> he, that's that's the point where you realize Joe's kind of a dick. Like you kind of know he's selfish, but that's where you're like, wow. All right. You're so fixated on your own problems that you really don't give a shit at all until the end. Of course, there's a scene before that, right? Where here is 22 in Joe's body. And she's, like, eating all this different type of food because, like, she finally gets to taste. They had talked to Moonwind about uh, fixing this. And I like how Moonwind says, uh, let me find it. They find Moonwind. They find Moonwind. And he's, like, 
no, you guys must wait for another thin spot to open between Earth and the astral plane. And that won't occur until Orcus moves into the house of Gemini. And then Joe's like, okay, when is that? And then he says, like, well, the government calls it 630. And I like it because it's like, takes this trope, right? Of things having to like align perfectly in the universe for something to happen. So it open like it happens once in a few hundred centuries. And it's like, nah, it just happens at 630. I think you don't get many interactions with him, but you get a lot of characterization out of like the small amount of screen time he actually does have. He trolls that sign with passion. I will say that. And him he... having that passion gives you the characterization of like why he's why he can go to that sorry, why he can go to that realm and yes. like the soul realm. It's yes. that passion of life. So so they leave Moonwind, right? And they need to hail a cab to get back to Joe's apartment. And this is where they run up to a cab and they're like about to get in. And then they see, oh, who is it? Dorothea Williams. Get out of the cab, right? And here he is in a like medical gown with pizza grease stained all over his medical gown. And he's meeting like his boss, kind of. And this like adds to the next conflict in the movie because she wants to replace him at this point. And then I thought is like, would you really replace someone just because they're in a like medical gown with pizza grease covered it? But then I got to thinking about it more and like it's a band and like appearances play a lot, right? And what if some random guy goes to the jazz like to see this jazz band and is like, "Oh, that's the crazy guy with the medical gown and the pizza grease." And then it made a little bit more sense when you think about it that way. I think Dorothy or Williams is also in the same jazz like position that well she has the position joe wants to be and so they're both just as selfish as the other one like they only focus on themselves so i understand what you're saying about the appearances but i think she cares about appearances so much because it's her band she don't want her image ruined it's the yeah same, for sure it's the same ideology that joe has because he's trying to get in the same thing all right we could get back to uh connie meeting 22 in joe's body where joe doesn't care about Connie quitting trombone at all but 22 is like yeah you should and then Connie's like oh well let me play this one thing and then you find out that Connie like is really good at trombone which you already kind of already knew and then she's like and then 22 says oh do you love playing the trombone and then she's like yeah so should I stay with it and then 22 says yeah you should and this kind of starts a trend where 22 and Joe's body kind of like interacts with all these people that he interacts with daily or like semi-weekly or whatever like a lot better than joe himself just like the barber which is later des i was gonna get yeah i was gonna get into that where he like joe doesn't interact with the barber in like a non-selfish way all he talks with a barber is jazz yep what did you guys think about that? Yeah, it's like it's always about Joe. And like of course in barbershops kind of like that, but it's the fact that he never asked him anything about himself. He says Joe later says or 22 asks, "Why have you never told this to me before?" and he says, "You never asked." And then as the cat, you could see Joe's eyes go like, "Oh," and he starts to realize like his selfish ways and you're right like 22 is well she's better at being joe because she's better at living life she's better at being having interactions with people because she's not selfish she just wants to live and wants to hear stories and she's just better at being she's just a better person than joe and i think that's why she's better in joe's body yeah and talking about that barbershop scene i think they caught like that barbershop 
feeling so well. Like I've been in barber shops where it's like just like that. You know, Joe comes in and like his hair is all messed up because Joe as the cat tried to shave his hair. And uh, he's like, whoa, man, this is an emergency and I got to help you. But Harold's always open. And it's just like this really old guy. I've been in barber shops where it's like all the young people are cutting hair. And then the old people are sitting there like just like with open chair. But people will wait forever to not have their hair cut by them. Luke and I used to do the exact same thing at a, a barbershop <laughs> we'd go to in town. <laughs> and then uh, 22 um, says something to, I forgot the kid's name, but he Paul. always makes fun it of Joe. Paul. Paul. Yeah. And I guess that's, Joe never had anything to say to him. He just hated him. <laughs> you know, and then 22 actually made life better for Joe in that way. Because um, now Paul, well, then Paul gets sucked into the astral plane Yeah, I'm, by I Terry. don't think Paul's life is better at all after <laughs> yeah, Terry Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Which I thought Paul's voice acting was really good, too. I mean, everyone in the barbershop scene had, like, really good voice acting, I thought. Yeah, I think everyone in this whole movie does. Of course, you're a little bit iffy on Tina Fey, but I think everyone does a really good job, and no character takes it out. Like, imagine if The Rock voiced someone in this. It'd take you away. Like, it'd yeah, just be like, for sure. And no one feels like that to me. Yeah, and when you meet Des, who is uh, Joe's barber, and you get to learn that, oh, he wanted to be a veterinarian, but he couldn't, right? And then 22 says, oh, but, like, you're uh, stuck as a barber and you're unhappy now. And he's like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Actually, I, I'm i a barber, but I'm happy now. Like, I'm still happy. Like, my purpose in life wasn't to be a veterinarian, but, like, I'm a barber now. I wanted to be one, but I'm a barber now. And it's still fine and I'm still happy, which kind of, like, alludes to what the movie gets into later. Right. That he was just happy talking to people. That's that was his spark. He didn't really need to have a purpose. Yeah, it was just yeah. Like we get into the yeah. We get into like sparks not being the purpose for your life, but just like it just shows when you're ready to live. Yeah, definitely. I definitely liked the whole barber shop scene, and then it led into Terry traumatizing Paul. Is that his name? Paul. Yeah, yeah. that He'll was great. The same again. When Terry like. <laughs> gets into the real world and like you see it on the heart rate monitor and it's like the shape of terry and terry's moving through all these different lines and showing up in the world it's really nice one one thing i really liked was every time terry was in a scene the music sounded a little bit like mr robot and i think luke would agree that it was giving mr robot vibes and mr robot has some pretty sick music but it it, it like it's a whole different tone when he's going around and i like that like when it's a completely different type of music when a, a character's introduced because it's a different type of interaction and then you kind of get the feel of uh yeah something that you wouldn't see in normal life is going on here and i think whoever did the music i i didn't look it up because i am uh i'm pathetic but they did a very good job i thought with the entire movie yeah um well let me look this up right now trent Reznor and atticus ross those are some names those are the those are names definitely, <laughs> but I think they did a very good job with the entire movie and specifically those those scenes and back in the beginning when Joe was falling, in the very beginning when he fell into his soul, the music yeah. was popping off. Did you know that Trent Reznor was in Nine Inch Nails? 
which is like a rock band. But then yeah, I was about done... to ask, I was about to ask what Nine Inch Nails is. <laughs> but yeah. then he's done score for movies like the this Network? and the Social oh, Network. Sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That's awesome. That is some intense. That's music. awesome. I I had no idea. And we have to credit John Baptiste, who does all the piano in this movie, which is just magnificent. I also thought it was another pro that I wrote on here. It's the same thing that happened with a uh, La La Land for me that I don't listen to jazz. But the way that the characters feel, both in La La Land and this, and the way that the jazz is performed in both movies from those people, make me understand why those people love it so much. And they really feel it, you know? And seeing them feel it and love it so much makes me understand why they love it. I thought the same thing. I thought about La La Land the entire time. Probably just because of jazz. It's just jazz. (laughs) Yeah, it's a jazz musician who's struggling. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> did not make me think of Whiplash, so that's good. Oh, wow. That might, that, this might be the first movie that didn't make you think of Whiplash. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so we get into the scene where uh, 22 and Joe's body is walking down the street, and she's, like, enjoying everything. She's enjoying the air vents. She's, like, making a funny image in the mirror, and that, like, really contrasts to how she was in her body, in Joe's body, the first time when they walk out of the hospital. And there's, like, so many people. There's so many bright lights there's a lot of loud noises and she gets freaked out and now she's like walking down the streets of new york and she's like actually enjoying it right just like the little minute things of life and i really liked how uh stark and different it was and then joe's pants rip like spongebob squarepants (laughs) that's true just like spongebob squarepants and then he has to get his mommy to fix it nice comp yeah and i think the mom scene was really nice because yeah what I also liked about it was it was 22 helping out Joe. You know, he wouldn't have ever confronted his mom if 22 didn't accidentally do it. But my favorite part about the scene is that after his mom says, what did you say? Joe says, no, I'm going to do this, like as the cat. And Yeah, I, it's like actually Joe talking yeah, to her. Yeah, I like that it wasn't just 22. So 22 is teaching him these lessons all throughout the movie. But I like that he stood up to his mom and it wasn't just 22 doing it. Like... It was everything Joe was telling 22 to say to her. And I like that he, that part where he says, no, this needs to happen. And I really like that because then she understands his viewpoint and actually starts supporting him and everything. And I, I thought they did that super well. I, I like a scene the I liked right before that. A scene I liked right before that was when he walks into the tailor shop and it's Lulu and Melba who are the two ladies that work there. And uh, Melba's like, did you forget something? And then Joe's like, oh, yeah. You have to give her a kiss. I give her a kiss every time uh, I see her. And, like, the face she makes, like, that's, like, the animation is so beautiful. It's, like, that's a real face that I've seen someone make. And it's just, like, so funny and so hilarious. And then 22 and Joe's body walks up to her, kisses her on the lips. And Joe's like, no, no, not on the lips. And then uh, Lulu's like, Joe, what is going wrong with you? And then uh, Melba's like, let him finish. And And then Lulu's like, oh, you cougar. Yeah, I love how much Melba liked it, you know, like the fact that she was so into it. And I like how supportive they were when the mom wasn't because they're like, oh, hey, Joe. And it's because like they don't have to worry about his financial situation. So they want him to do whatever. And I liked the contrast between the mom and the people she works with. Yeah, it's just like crazy because this one scene adds like so much character to like the environment and Joe's life and like this whole world that they're going on it's just like one scene but you already like get this feeling from these two characters about how like real this world actually is 
Luke, were you going to say something about that team? Um, I think you guys already talked about it. I I was just about to say how it was Jamie Foxx's voice actually talking through Joe when um he was finally standing up for himself to his mom. It wasn't Tina Fey's voice. Well, that's because Joe's that's body. what everyone in the world hears. Everyone hears Joe's right. voice. Yeah. Right, but it like transitioned during that yeah, scene because yeah. that was like his most important part. Yeah, yeah I like that, that it finally showed it. Yeah. That it showed Joe talking about it, so then it made it more real. It wasn't, and it wasn't translating the whole time. Yeah, it just like, showed him talking. What's like funny though is like in actuality, it's like the mom says something, and then the cat's like meow 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 meow, and then Joe replies, and then she says something back, and then like she, and then the cat would be like meow 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 meow, meow and then Joe would reply. That that reminds me of on the subway when he, she uh, twenty two and Joe's body picked up the Slurpee, and. She's just like straight up talking to the cat and drinking the slurpee she found on the ground. And the person, the one other person on the subway you could see to Joe's right or Joe's left, our right, just like barely gives a glance and then goes back to their paper because that's just New York, you know? Like, yeah. It's just <laughs> yeah, like baby. one little side look <laughs> and it's like, ah, whatever. So we finish up that scene in a really heartwarming way where his mom ends up supporting him in what he wants to do in this gig. Because he says, if I died today, I, my life wouldn't have amounted to anything. And she kind of understands where he's coming from now. And then he gets this new suit. It was his dad's suit. And then he like goes out to the club to meet Moonwind. So tell us all about that, Luke. <laughs> yes. Um, he goes to meet Moonwind. But I think this is my favorite scene of the movie. Because also the music's really good when... Uh, 22, who's in Joe's body, looks up at the trees and then, like, a maple seed or whatever it is, it lands in her hand. I I liked that because it was finally like, okay, 22 wants to live. She found out that she does like living on Earth. And then she runs away. <laughs> I think that scene's probably the most cinematically beautiful in the movie. Yes. It's definitely, like, Pixar was like, yeah, let's make this scene really, really good looking. And um, when she runs away, that's when Terry catches up to them. And I thought that was cool because I forgot that Terry is just traveling in between walls and on sidewalks <laughs> and whatnot. Like, he is everywhere. Everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And then uh, he catches up to them and brings them back to the great no the great before right yeah not the great escalator <laughs> the great before no yeah he takes him to the great before because that's where they're with all the souls and you're right like i forget that terry's around but i like when movies do that where it's like this guy's chasing him and then it just happens because you get so invested in everything else happening with 22 wanting to live and everything happening with joe you get so invested that you forget about this thing that's going to ruin the end like, ruin what they want. Yes, yes. Um, and then it gets uh, really sad, because 22 says that she finally found that she wanted to live, and then Joe was like, no, you only feel that way because you're in my body. And uh, Joe was not the best person in that moment in time. <laughs> yeah, and you can see how he's, like, so misguided, right? Because she is, like in a body but like the way the movie presents everything is like 
your personality and like your feelings come from your soul and the body's just kind of like this empty vessel you go in so like joe saying she likes all these things just because she's in his body doesn't really make sense because it's like she could be in anybody's body and still feel the same things that she feels because it's her soul exactly and she understands that but joe doesn't and i really like that I like that 22 also gets so mad, but gives him it back because, like, she's just like, okay, whatever, once that happens. And, I mean, of course, then she goes and, uh, what was that place called that she went and became the sand person? I think they just called it the zone. It yeah, was... I don't think it has, like, an actual name. Yeah, she went yeah. into the zone, but she didn't want to, she didn't want to steal it from Joe. Like, she really wanted it, but she didn't want to steal it. Like, she just gave it back to him. She wanted it for herself. She needed the validation that she's ready to live. Yeah. Yeah, and she was, but she threw it at him because she was, like... Because Joe cast a doubt on... Yeah, and then, especially when you hear all of her thoughts when he gets eaten by her later. And it's all of the thoughts that he said to her. It's just because you're in my body. And, um, like you're never going to find your purpose and everything like that. You're hearing around her and that's how she feels inside that you're like, he didn't realize the impact he was making on her when he was forcing um, her to give him the patch. Yeah, for sure. So then Joe gets this patch. He goes to earth. He plays his gig. And at the end of it, he feels not fulfilled. And he talks to Dorothea Williams and she says, uh, she gives him a quote, right? Where it's like, one fish says to another fish, I want the ocean. And then the other fish says, you're already in the ocean. And then the fish is like, no, this is water. I want the ocean. What did you guys think of that quote? Because I thought it was really nice. I liked it. And it's also an example about how it's more of an adult movie because they don't like straight up say the meaning of it. But Joe realizes what it means to him. I don't know. It's very like in a more mature. Yeah, because it's like an, an ambiguous story yeah. right but like adults will get that kids will be like oh fishy one fishy Ocean. two <laughs> yeah that's what I imagine tony sounded like in kindergarten oh it's exactly oh, like fishy that. one <laughs> <laughs> so then we get joe going back to his apartment and he's gonna play the piano to get in the zone and he like takes out all of the stuff in his pockets that uh 22 had when she was in his body and i just found it funny that there's literally like an open to lollipop a bagel and pizza crust in his new suit like his mom's like oh this is a new wool suit you better not let that cat up on your shoulders but there's like pizza crust sitting in his suit. yeah I, I love how much that moment means too that it's a bunch of nothing and it means so much to him but you're right it's just sitting in his suit which is disgusting <laughs> yeah I, I like how you put it it's like a lot of like really just nothing to like anybody else right but you like he lays it all out and this is like all the things that gave 22 the reason to live yeah and i think that's beautiful it didn't have to be something significant it was or something well significant to her but it didn't have to be something grand or extreme or something as big as jazz it was just those things like a bagel pizza and a nasty lollipop that was already sucked you know it's just like those things that she like gave her purpose and i think that's beautiful that they did it that way yeah and this cuts into him playing the piano and having all these flashbacks about moments in his life where he's just like living you know like we see 
him eating a pie in his exhibition back at the U seminar. And then in this flashback, he thinks about eating a pie and is like, well, why is like something as little as eating a pie, like such a big importance, but it's like him living and truly enjoying the little aspects of life. And I think this is where the movie really hits an emotional apex. I think this is my favorite part of the movie. I know you guys said it was when 22 realized and, but he was playing the piano and remembering the little things in life and realized that's what he wanted. And that, that was my favorite part was the playing the piano with all the junk on the, on the piano. And he was just playing and remembering the tiniest insignificant things that are actually very significant. Yeah. The junk was kind of set up like his music notes. Like he took the book down and instead of playing like those notes, he just played from his soul Ooh, nice Ooh, one. Ooh, that's good. That's, that's a, good. That's a good one. So, and it's a very beautiful shot and symbolism. Yes, yes. And then um, that's when we get to uh, 22 being a sand person <laughs> because she became a lost soul. So. Yeah, and, and I touched on that earlier where it was like, I love that you could hear her and her thoughts and how sad they were. Yeah. You know, and how much jo- how much damage joe did and he realizes how selfish he has been and so you know without it i love that the movie doesn't go one month later and joe's not selfish you just know that he learned his lesson i agree with that oh you yeah you can always sure. tell he was a good person throughout the movie just like a bit selfish like he didn't he was need... just clouded by his own self-interest he was so yes. um laser focus and narrow-minded on just what he wanted to do in life and that was to just get this gig and just to play and then he gets that gig and he plays it and he doesn't feel as fulfilled as he thought he would because he was so laser focused on this this is the only thing he wanted to have but then he realizes that life is a lot more than just that yeah exactly and then this is about the end of the movie right they go and jump back down and 22. Yeah, this is where he gives yeah. 22 the Earth Pass back. Yeah, and she gets yeah. to go, and he jumps with her, and he knows he's not going to get it, which I loved, that he was just going to go with her the entire way that he could, which I thought was beautiful, you know? Yeah, and this is the last we hear of 22, which I think is a which good is perfect. thing. Yep, I, yeah, I, I think, like it. Yep. I think it's very nice that they left it open-ended, and we don't have to see like where she ends up, but we know she's going to be a person that lives. I mean, get... also, Joe, like, kills... Like, he's going to die again, so 22 can live. Like, he sacrificed himself so she could be able to live life. I liked that. Which ends up, he ends up going back to Earth anyway, but he was just content with dying, just so 22 could live. What did you guys think about that? That So, yeah. He doesn't end up dying, because the Jerry's let him have a second chance at life. Which he takes, which he takes... And he says himself that he's not sure how he's going to spend the rest of his life, but he's going to live every minute of it. Mark, you can go. go. Okay. Uh, I I really liked it because the only reason he got it back was because he performed the most selfless act he could for no reason other than to let her live. He gave himself up. So I like that he got another chance because he performed the absolute most selfless act he could, you know, and the fact that he wasn't going to go down and pursue that jazz thing, well, maybe he is, but he's going to live life to the fullest because he learned his lesson, you know, and at the end of the day, this movie's about Joe, not 22. She just helped him know what he had to do. Like, she just helped him throughout his journey to teach him 
that life is just about living. It has nothing to do with one specific aspect of it. It's about everything that you experience in everyday life and just enjoying being alive. And so I really like that he got the second chance because of all the lessons he learned and like becoming the most selfless person at the end when he was selfish the entire movie. I, uh, I had mixed feelings because I really liked the last line where he walks out of his house and he says, I'm going to live every minute of it. But it like a little bit lazy that he just got a new chance. Cause he inspired the Jerry's like a little bit lazy, but I had mixed feelings cause I liked the last line that he was going to live every minute of it. But, um, that he only got a second chance because he inspired them was, I, I didn't like hate it or anything. <laughs> like I just thought, okay, that makes it's sense. Hard to no, I understand. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I really like that last line, and I like how it ends up that he's gonna live again. And he says that last line, and he's learned his lesson. He's like has a new outlook on life. I think that like new outlook is just really nice for everyone. I think the movie could have been more emotional. Say he actually had to die for twenty two to come live again. But I actually like it more how it actually did end. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> Without that last line, I think it would have not been as good. The last line kind of put the whole movie together of all the I themes agree. and everything. And so I think he had to come back alive for like that to hit the way it did, the way he says that. And um, I agree that it could have worked the other way with him like actually giving himself up. But... I, I liked it because it led to that, and that was like a perfect line to end the movie, and a perfect theme, and a perfect message. And My thoughts exactly. <laughs> I think that's the movie's soul for you. Any last hit picks or nitpicks you guys have for the I movie? Have, I have one nitpick that I even wrote a note on. Oh, tell us. Give it, give it. When he was the cat he unlocked the iPhone and I have no idea how that happened. And I was so upset about it. Because no, it no, that actually, oh. that actually happens. <laughs> that what? can actually work. If you use a dog's paw or a cat's paw, it will actually be touch capacitive for so, screens. So you're telling me no this way. one nitpick that I wrote down has just been debunked. <laughs> yeah. Cause there was, there was that trend. There was that trend of like when iPhone still had the fingerprint reader, you could have your cat or dog be a fingerprint on your iPhone. And then they press it on there and it'll unlock so you're telling me if I walked up to Duke right now and I had it set that way, it would work? Yeah. What? Wow. Really? <laughs> okay. All right. I have zero. You know what? I should increase its rating just for that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> One, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One nitpick that's almost half a hit pick is the mention oh. of Lisa. We get the mention of this past oh. love multiple times throughout the story, and it never gets talked about, really. But I kind of like that. I think that's a hit pick for sure. I love that they don't explore it. It was a hit pick for me as well. It's uh, like you, it, you infer that things went wrong, but it, it, you it don't have to see it. Yeah. 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 It, you never see her because he just uh, he wasn't living every minute of life to the fullest extent. He was just focused on jazz, so you never really saw her because she's just gone. I don't know. Nitpick number two for me. Why can't Joe, in the cat, be in the bathroom at the same time as 22 when she's showering? Because it's just Joe's body. Holy bananas. Okay. You are correct. You know what? I'm, I'm going to say something. I think it doesn't have to do anything with him being naked. I think it has something to do with the mist for the cat. 
and the hair. Okay. Oh. You see. Well, I was gonna say is it makes no sense in like a real life context, but I think it's more for the kids, right? Even though it's his own body, like you don't want to teach kids that it's just okay to look at another person naked. Any more nitpicks? Nitpick number three. You so Terry. <laughs> I gave it the highest score out of anyone here, by the way. Nitpick number three. Terry has to go through filing cabinets. This, like, filing cabinets of, like, everyone's name in the history of everyone. And I really love that scene. She gets to Joe Gardner's name and knows who it is, right? By the time, like, he's about to go to the barbershop. And Terry finds him by the time he's leaving the barbershop and gets Paul instead. But then Joe can... Go walk down the street, rip his pants, go on the subway, go to his mom's house, go to the tailor, get it fixed, get a new suit, and then go all the way back to the club <laughs> before Terry finds him again. Terry's really bad at his job. Yeah, he must have had a pee break like Tony did or something <laughs> like that. You're right. That That is true because like Tony, like Luke and I liked that it took so long for him to come back. For like a story standpoint from, you know, 22 and Joe's perspective. We oh, for that. sure. But you're right that it is a little bit silly that it took him so long to get there and that why is why it's only a nitpick that's and fair. that's all i that's very fair that's Luke, do you have any nitpicks or hit picks no you guys t- t- said them <laughs> oh my so, god i feel like i added uh marion i added some new things <laughs> no you did good we all did i think that was pretty good um, all right roll us out first Mark. one yes. okay so Thank you guys for listening to tonight's watch. And if you want to listen in for next week's episode and know what we're talking about, we will be talking about Tony's pick. Tony, you want to enter? It is my pick next week, and we'll be watching The Phantom Menace. So if you want to listen along, and if you haven't seen it, um, I doubt it. But if you haven't seen it, go ahead and watch it. because it's a spoilers podcast. Yeah, this is a spo- I don't know if I said that in the beginning. I, I'm sure they got it with Luke's synopsis that spoiled everything. So, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> if you want to listen along and know exactly what we're talking about, you can go ahead and watch that. It's on Disney+. Plus. And you guys want to roll us out? How are we rolling us out? I, was, I, was, I thought we were just going to say, and that's tonight's watch or something like that. Okay, go, Luke. Ooh, go, okay, go, go, Luke, okay. go, Luke, go. And that's tonight's watch. That was incredible. Okay. See you next week. Thank you.